What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. On the line with us, the vice chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, Congressman Ro Khanna. He represents the Silicon Valley area of California in the U.S. House of Representatives. His website, Khanna, K-H-A-N-N-A dot house dot gov. And you can tweet him at Rep. Ro, R-O, Khanna. Congressman Khanna, welcome back to the program. I am just astonished that not a single, to the best of my knowledge, I told my listeners earlier, there's probably about 10 minutes of the experience that I missed. But it appeared to me that not a single Democratic senator asked what I think is the 600-pound gorilla question or the elephant in the room or whatever metaphor you want to use, cliche, which is, when did federal agencies have to start operating at break-even or for profit? When did the Department of Defense have to make a profit? When did the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, or you know, the Education Department now it's called, have to make a profit? When did HHS have to make a profit? And why is it that the Postal Service, which is called service, we're being told it has to run like it's the Postal Corporation or the Postal Company? What the hell is going on? I think Rand Paul gave the whole thing away this morning when he essentially said, if you were a venture capitalist, Mr. DeJoy. What do you need me to do as a senator to set the post office up for privatization? Well, that was a great line of inquiry. And since I'm on the oversight committee on Monday and will be uh, questioning DeJoy, maybe I can take that line of inquiry up with him. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the Department of Defense, Department of Health are great analogies. We would never say that they need to operate as a profit. This is a public good, and it should be treated as a public good. Now, you may push back and say, well, there's efficiency, and we want things to be the best for consumers, but, you know, that's not the reality. I mean, the reality is that, fine, if it's subsidizing it, that should be a public good. Yeah. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, the only federal agency that operates within a budget where the amount of money that they bring in has to balance or exceed the amount of money that goes out is Social Security. And Donald Trump and the Republican Party in the last month have proposed that Social Security become basically a welfare program funded out of the general fund. In other words, they want to take away that, let's run it like a business thing for Social Security, but they want to double down on it for the post office. It's just It just blows my mind. Anyhow, welcome to the program. Is there anything you wanted to to start with, or shall we just get right over to our phone callers? I think we can get over to our phone callers. I mean, we're, a lot of the work we're doing right now in Congress is on the, the post office. We're going to pass the bill on Saturday for the $25 billion, and I'm questioning him on Monday. Uh, how, how concerned are you? I mean, he's telling people these three days, he's guaranteeing the ballots are going to be in three days. My sense is that that is something that he's just saying, and, and the damage has largely been done, and that, that we need to do far more to get accountability. I share your concern, and I think you're right. And Zach, in North Hollywood, you are on the air with Congressman Khanna. I'm just going to get hey. straight to my question. Does a completely unredacted Mueller report exist in a cloud somewhere, and could it be accessed, could a declassified version of it be accessed by the Freedom of Information Act at some point? It does exist, but the Freedom of Information Act, they would claim that there's information in there that's classified that shouldn't be released. So you would have to have a president declassify aspect of it, which if Biden wins, he could do. Diane, in Flemington, New Jersey, you are on the air with Congressman Khanna. Have you ever heard of something called the Presidential Emergency Action Documents that's abbreviated PEADs? Apparently, these are executive orders 
proclamations and messages to Congress that are prepared in anticipation of a range of emergency scenarios. They are designed to implement extraordinary presidential actions in response to extraordinary situations. I read about this on the Brennan Center site, an article by Elizabeth Goyton and Andrew Boyle. They are not subject to congressional oversight. Do you remember when Trump said, I have the right to do a lot of things that people don't even know about? This may be what he is referring to. Apparently, the Department of Justice, that's Bill Barr, reviews the proposed changes and additions for legal soundness. Emergency Management Agency plays a coordinating role, and the NSC provides policy direction and final approval. Well, I appreciate you raising that, and I will look into those declarations and orders. I mean, obviously, there's a concern with this president that he's going to try to stretch his authority in any way and defy Congress, defy the popular will. So we definitely need to be prepared, and we need to be prepared, particularly as we're headed into a contentious election, the outcome of which he's saying he basically is not going to recognize. I mean, he's now basically saying that explicitly. So we definitely need to be prepared for these scenarios. Mark in Portland, Oregon, listening on Sirius XM. Mark, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. I'm wondering if there's any legislation that Rokana's aware of that provided that the Democrats win all three branches that can be passed, that can be like an anti-corruption, RICO-based legislation against government employees at all levels of government so that we don't have corruption where lobbyists are now regulators of the industries that were regulating them. Is there some kind of legislation you could tell us we can get in and have it signed and say, look, no more lobbyists can can regulate the industries that you're being in charge of? Mike, that's an excellent point. We do have legislation like that. Elizabeth Warren has proposed it. I proposed it in the House and the revolving door to make sure that you can't be also having the industry executives regulating the very industries that they were either serving in or that they plan to go back to and that you need to have at least a 10-year window where you weren't in the industry or can't go back to the industry. And I hope that that can pass with the new president. Eileen in Wattingers Falls, New York. Eileen, you're on the Earth, Congressman Khanna. I keep hearing Trump talk about us pulling out of Syria, but we keep the oil. Basically, isn't that a war crime, and why isn't that being addressed? I don't understand how that works. Can someone explain that to me? Thank you. Eileen, it is against international law to go and take oil fields from another sovereign country, and that would be a complete violation of the law. So far, fortunately, the administration hasn't done this, but you never know with the bluster of Trump whether he's actually going to act on it. It would be a disaster and fuel further terrorism against the United States. So I completely agree with you that Congress would have to do everything possible to stop appropriations if the military actually were starting to take over oil fields. Doug, in Elma, Washington, you are on the air with Congressman Khanna. Has it ever been mulled over any kind of legislation? I mean, I imagine it'd have to be an all-democratic, all three branches, that if somebody wants to come in and run for president as a Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever, that the first requirement before they sign up is that they have to show up with 10 years' worth of IRS tax returns, period. If you haven't got 10 years' worth, go away. 10 years to date. I agree with that, and I think we need to have a requirement in the law that calls for the making public your tax returns. I mean, just like there's requirements by the law that I have to have my financial disclosures and financial disclosures of people who are of conflict of interest. And so what Trump has shown, actually, is all of the places where our laws weren't strong enough, which he abused, but in some cases, like not revealing his tax returns, he even abused it legally. I mean, he's not violating the law. And so what we need to do is codify those norms so that we don't have further abuse by someone like Trump. Hamilton, is that Knoxville, Tennessee? Yes, it is. Hello. Okay. You're on the air with Congressman Khanna. Question about poll watchers and the problem with harassment with poll watchers and why it's being done. Do you think they have a plan to help reelect him? 
this year you're referring to the report today that the president plans to send law enforcement to the polls. I mean, they're trying to intimidate and suppress the vote. They're trying to make sure that people fear mailing their ballot. Those ballots take a long time to get to the registrar. And what's the alternative to mailing? Well, you go on Election Day. And so they're trying to make sure that there's an intimidating presence of law enforcement on Election Day, particularly in minority communities. That could be a, a huge deterrent. And so it's concerning. I mean, obviously, Trump sees the poll numbers. He sees he's losing and they're flailing around for any trick to try to hold on to power. Joe in Cupertino, California, you're on the air with your congressman. Congressman Connick, thank you so much. I'm so proud of you for standing your ground. I heard you the other day on the radio talking about Lyft drivers. The situation is pretty pretty bad here because, as you know, we're, they're no longer having that service available in California last night. $600 a week was a basic salary, and I thought that that would provide at least for the masses. But if you're not going to pay Lyft drivers a living wage, I don't know how that can exist. I, I'm an old paramedic, and I used to work 24-hour shifts. I used to get paid 13 hours if out of 24, and if we got woke up in the middle of the night, they'd pay us for the additional hours, but at least we pay our rent. Do you have a position on this? Are you waiting to be paid, or are you paid to wait if you're a Lyft driver? Joe, well, I think the issue with Lyft drivers is currently they are being classified incorrectly as independent contractors, and Lyft is saying, well, they want to work part-time and they want to have flexibility, but you can be an employee and work part-time or have flexibility. I mean, when I was a a lecturer at a university, I had part-time hours and I had a lot of flexibility, but I was considered an employee. So Lyft's arguments are just disingenuous. I mean, what we need to do is treat these drivers as employees, give them benefits, and then you can still have flexible models and part-time models. Joe in Gadsden, Alabama, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. Besides this being an important election to get rid of Trump, I haven't heard a lot about this also being a census year and about how they're going to gerrymander, you know, like well, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. I was wondering if they had any plans for that. I'm very concerned about that. And the challenge is that they are not extending the count period. And that's because the minority communities and hard to count communities, they don't want them counted. You know what the irony is? Texas actually has a lower statewide count currently because they're being undercounted. And so you would think a state like Texas, they would want more time to get counted so they can get more seats in Congress. But the members of Congress don't want a fair count. They rather even sacrifice Texas as additional seats because they don't want their districts to become more minority and face a potential minority challenger in those districts. So it's a very cynical strategy to disenfranchise minority communities. And we're doing everything we can on the Oversight Committee to push back and push for more time for counting. Bob in Palmetto, Florida, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Can the enforcement arm of the Postal Service indict the Postmaster General for the malicious destruction of government property? We paid for those machines. It is outrageous when you see the images. It is really theft and destruction of property. I think there should be a referral to the Justice Department. Obviously, in this case, referring to something, the Bill Barr isn't going to do anything. But the statute of limitations is five years. And so I do think that DeJoy has put himself at risk of criminal exposure, especially in a new administration. David in Spotswood, New Jersey, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. If somehow Donald Trump steals or wins the election, we get an, a Senate majority now, or a congressional majority now, or two years from now, could the congressman envision Congress impeaching Donald Trump? I mean, I hope it doesn't come to that, but absolutely. I could envision a second impeachment based on new actions that were illegal. But I think we have to do everything we can to win this election. As President Obama talked about, if Trump gets in, the tactics that he's using to decap the Postal Service, to have law enforcement at polling, just think about all of those actions that he could continue to undertake and then put a Supreme Court that's going to be even more conservative. You could really see the erosion of institutional democracy. Margie in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, you are on the air with Congressman Connor. Congressman Kana, this happened to my friend yesterday. Are census canvassers required to have a federal ID? What happened was somebody came up to her house and claimed that she was a census worker but had no ID. If they're not required to have an ID, this could very much throw off the census because people think it's scammers. 
Okay, that's a great question. I assume that they have to have some form of identification. I can check that, but it would surprise me if they don't have some form of official identification. Rachel in Grand Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Yes, yes. Over a year ago, when Wilbur Ross, they first started talking about the census, we got a census package in the mail that's saying we were selected at random to fill out a census form, and I just laid it up. It was first we got a postcard, then we got two or three reminders, and we got the packet, and it was big packet. They asked a lot of questions, but that's what I was wanting to ask. Was that for real? Do they send that out? I got scared because they said that they kept saying if I didn't send it out, they were going to charge me. And I just wondered if that's for real. Thank you. For Thank you, Rachel. Isn't it amazing, you, Congressman Kana, how Americans don't trust their government since we've got this guy who's told 20,000 lies in the White House? Yeah, no, I mean, it is really a problem. I mean, he has really uh, diminished the trust in government. But on the census, Rachel, the, the fact is that it's a voluntary participation. I mean, I hope everyone will participate and be counted, but they can't do anything to you if you don't participate. And they also can't do anything with your data. I mean, the data is secured, it's confidential. You fill it out and they can't abuse that data in any way. And so my hope is everyone will fill it out, and that is a trustworthy process. Though what they're trying to do is put fear in people so that they don't fill it out, and so we have an undercount of minority and disadvantaged communities. Ed in Roselle, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Kana. Yeah, Congressman, my question goes to uh, democratic messaging. Tom has talked about this numerous times over the years, the two Santa Claus theory of government, whereas when the Republicans are in, they spend money like a drunken sailor when they're out of power. They scream about the debt. I just explained that in less than five seconds. And yet when I call my uh, Democratic senators, their aides aren't familiar with this. When I ask them about it, I've yet to see any Democrats, when they have any kind of airtime on radio or TV, bring this up. And if we're fortunate enough to get the Senate and the House this next election, I think that's going to be really important for every Democratic congressman and senator to be able to expose that theory or expose that theory numerous times so that the rest of the American people know about it and make sense to them. Because when you do explain it to people, their eyes go wide and they say, yeah, that is how it works. Why do the Democrats not push this theory forward whenever they get any kind of airtime? That's my question. I agree with you. The reality is that they only complain about deficits. They only cry about deficits when Democrats want to spend on programs for people. They have no concern about deficits when it's about increasing defense spending, getting into foreign wars or bailing out Wall Street. And that's a message that we need to continue to hammer home, especially because they're going to start talking about deficits the day Vice President Biden wins. Yeah, to the two Santa Claus piece of that, just FYI, in the mid-70s, I think it was 76, Jude Winiski was, you know, a rising star in the Republican Party and a strategist. And he wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal saying that Democrats had always been the Santa Claus party. They gave us uh, Social Security, unemployment, Medicare, et cetera, et cetera. He went through the whole list. And Republicans opposed all those things. They were seen as the Scrooge party. And he said the Republican Party has to have their own Santa Claus, and they have to figure out a way to force the Democrats to shoot their Santa Claus. And the way to do that is to become the tax cut Santa Clauses. That was Jude Winiski's phrase, to always promote tax cuts when Republicans are in power. And then when Democrats are in power, scream about the deficit produced by the tax cuts and use that to cut social programs so that the Democrats will be forced to shoot their own Santa Claus. And David Stockman back in the 80s said this is exactly what Reagan was doing. He came into office, the national debt was $800 billion. When he left, it was over $2 trillion. He tripled the national debt. And, and every Republican president since then has been following in this, uh, this same course that Jude Winiski laid out in 1976 or 77, FYI. I'm guessing you probably already knew that, but I just wanted to get on I the I did not. That's fascinating to me, Tom. So I love coming yeah, on the no, show. This I learn is... something every time. <laughs> Thank you. Google two Santa Clauses in my name. You'll find the actual documentation, links to the original story. But like I said, you know, Republicans have been talking about this out loud uh, since the 80s, that this is what they're doing. Uh, Larry in Asheville, North Carolina. Larry, you're on the earth, Congressman Connor. 
Uh, yes, I grew up in the Rust Belt, and uh, it could be that some of the swing voters out there will take a look at Democratic proposals or the, the past four days of a virtual convention, and uh, not not hearing any nuts and bolts direct dealing with the enormous uh, deficits, debt, and trade imbalance, and in addition, where was Sherrod Brown? So is there a movement in Congress to help push the DNC to come up with a, a good, honest, nuts and bolts discussion that, that goes rebuilding industry, that goes beyond infrastructure and clean energy? Thank you. I definitely think we have to talk about jobs and good jobs and manufacturing jobs, industrial jobs in communities left behind. And Sherrod Brown did, I think, have a, a small cameo appearance there. I mean, Sherrod's terrific on these issues of dignity of work, of bringing jobs to these communities. And certainly clean tech has to be part of it, but the jobs need to be much broader than that. And Biden has a plan. He alluded to it in his acceptance speech. But I agree with you that we need to hammer that point home a lot more in the home stretch. Jack in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You're on the air with Congressman Connor. Yes, I'd just like to know the congressman's uh, position on the cuts that Amtrak is going to experience October 1st, their long-haul train service. They're being cut from seven days a week to three days a week. Oh. Jack, those cuts are unconscionable. I mean, I think we need to be investing more in public transportation. One thing I can say is that Joe Biden's president, I can't imagine he won't stand up fully for Amtrak funding, given his own life experience. So I certainly oppose those cuts, and thank you for bringing them to our attention. And Jeff in Portland, Oregon, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. Sabotaging of the post office on the national level. On the state level, there's a massive voter suppression effort in Florida that hasn't gotten much coverage. And it's been Governor Ron DeSantis and the Florida GOP's ploy to impose a poll tax on 1.4 million ex felons whose voting rights were overwhelmingly restored by the people of Florida voting for Amendment 4 in 2018. Congressman, just like they intervened in Florida in the 2000 election to select Bush as our president, the U.S. Supreme Court has played a part in upholding this poll tax on over one million Floridians this year. And on August 11, Slate.com had a piece titled, The Supreme Court's Most Partisan Decisions Are Flying Under the Radar, about Congress's ability to exercise power over the Supreme Court's caseload over its so-called shadow docket. And are you aware of this, Congressman Khanna, and House leadership doing anything to rein in the Supreme Court? I'm very aware of the situation of Florida. I mean, the disenfranchisement of felons, basically a poll tax. They have to pay back all their debts, even though they don't have any money because they've been in jail. It's absurd. And what we ought to do is pass a statute that overturns the case that the Supreme Court came up with. Unfortunately, we can't do that with the Republicans in the Senate. But once we have a majority back, we need to do that. And I agree with you that the Supreme Court was wrong in this case. Tim in Seattle, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. All right. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate it. What a fantastic team we have. With Colin Powell coming out against Trump and ex-military leaders in the last few months, and I've heard things, Tom, I think on your show, where some different Republican people who were trying to get reelected in the South had taken Trump out of their advertising. Are we seeing a wave of him losing support, conservatives, et cetera, coming out against Trump? Reminds me of what finally did in Nixon. Are we hopefully in that kind of a situation? Chad, I think we've seen a, a number of more independent or moderate Republicans come out against Trump, but his support hasn't eroded in the Congress or the Senate. I mean, he, other than Romney, I don't think there are many senators or House members who have criticized him. So in Nixon's case, obviously, the leadership within the House and some of the senators turned on him. In this case, I think it may matter and will matter electorally. It gives him a much more uphill uh, road to re-election. But I don't think it will matter in terms of the current Senate or House holding him accountable on the Republican side. Judy in Denver, you're on the air with Congressman Khanna. We have more than 65 million Americans that are unemployed. 38 million are looking at homelessness. How does the HEROES Act, or I think you're working on another bill to help, but how do any of these help any of the 65 million and the 38 million Americans that need real help instead of helping the corporations mass murderer Donald Trump and the Catholic and Christian churches have gotten hundreds of billions of dollars? 
if not trillions. Judy, I share your concern. The initial coronavirus relief bills gave too much to Wall Street, to corporations. I mean, the idea that the Fed can buy junk bonds but can't provide direct capital or assistance to minority businesses and small businesses just shows the prioritization of monetary policy in this country. Now, what Congress needs to do and what the HEROES Act does is really prioritize providing stimulus checks and providing unemployment extension to actually the working class and the middle class. And that's what we need to do with this next stimulus. James in North Hollywood, California, you're on the air with Congressman Kano. I wonder if you would consider running for Senator Harris's seat if she becomes the VP. James, I appreciate that. I've been focused, obviously, on making sure we win first. It's not anywhere near a slam dunk. It's going to be a tough drag-out fight. And then I'll see where I can be best used in a progressive direction. The progressive caucus has gotten very strong in the House, so that's a consideration. But obviously, I'll keep all of the options open and look seriously at it. Renee in Burbank, California, you're on the air with Congressman Connor. At the hearing, DeJoy kept being asked by people if he was going to replace the sorting machine that he had taken out, and he kept answering they are not needed. And he repeated that answer. Is there any way Congress can force him to replace those machines? Yeah, Congress could. We'd have to pass a statute to directing him to do that. I think we should. I mean, I think we need to continue to push, but legislatively direct him to what to do with the money. Steve in Tobango, California. Is there any contingency plans for if Trump loses insurrection, how you, you know, all his people come out, like you would bust a union. But th- I'm talking about the whole country being busted as a union. What is the contingency is on the Democrats to make sure this won't happen? Anyway, I'm, I just hope you guys are thinking about that. Anyway, thanks, guys. Have a good week. It's a very legitimate concern. I mean, the concern is that Trump is up on election day and doesn't wait till all the absentee ballots come in, where, which would give Biden a big lead and, and declares victory and tries to get state legislatures to certify him and that there's a confrontation. And, and I think that's why you see people like Obama and others warning that democracy is at stake. I think what Congress needs to be proactive, think about maybe preemptively having a commission, a bipartisan commission with Roberts or others to try to, to resolve any of these kind of disputes. Yeah. Congressman, thanks so much for dropping by today. It's always great having you on. Thanks, Tom. Always enjoyed it. Thank you. Congressman Ro Khanna, Khanna.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at Rep. Ro Khanna. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, with two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for... Congressman Mark Pocan, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov is his website, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Congressman Pocan, welcome back. I see that DeJoy says, okay, I'm going to stop doing the things I've been busted for, but really not quite. There's a bunch of things he's not stopping, and in fact, there's a new order now that in rural areas of Alaska, this has the Secretary of State in that state flipped out, in rural areas of Alaska, they're now making it illegal, DeJoy is making it illegal for his postal letter carriers to be witnesses on absentee ballots in areas where they may be the only person who could witness it. What's going on? You know, last week was profound on your show. I don't think we've ever had a show since we've been doing it where half of the questions came in on one subject, and the one subject was the Postal Service. And I think you can see why there's outcry across the country and from your listeners on this. What he did now is a partial measure. You know, they know they got caught publicly, nationally, with their hands in the cookie jar. You know, Donald Trump tried to create chaos around the election. He wants you to think that your ballot somehow won't count. So maybe don't vote absentee or by mail, and maybe you won't show up on Election Day, and that way he picked the voters rather than voters picking the next president. But, you know, we've all figured this out. We're not dumb. He's the one who may be not as sharp as the rest of the American people on this, and we know what he's trying to do. And in doing so, he's hurting seniors and veterans who get medicine via mail. He's hurting small businesses. He's hurting individuals who just need to receive their mail. So a couple of things. One, we're coming in Saturday to vote on a bill that would stop all these practices and fund the $25 billion the post office needs. That's the House of Representatives. Second, tomorrow we have a hearing, and this is going to be a good one, Tom. I think it's at 4 o'clock Eastern. I'll double-check it in between a break. For the Progressive Caucus on this issue, the first hearing of any kind to talk about what's all going on. And for the first time ever, David Williams who resigned from the Postal Board of Governors, is going to be testifying. And he has not done 60-minute interviews. He hasn't done anything. He's going to be part of our hearing process, along with the head of the American Postal Workers Union and others. So it's going to be a way to try to really give the American people even more of what's going on. And then we're going to make sure that we get the funding for the post office. Donald Trump won't win on this. He wants to create chaos. We're not going to let him create that chaos, but this has been the number one issue for three weeks in a row in my office. And again, last week, I thought it was really significant time. I don't remember another show where half the questions were on a single subject, and that's what happened here. No, and I've been doing this show for 16 or 17 years, and and Bernie was on it for 11 years, and I don't even recall one during those 11 years where that happened. So, yeah. By the way, I'm, I'm seeing here also that as Congress is digging into this, or reporters are digging into this, actually, this is David Dan, who's got a new book out about monopolies as do I, but in any case, it's a shameless plug. In any case, he's, he's saying that it was Steve Mnuchin behind this whole thing, that the CARES Act had a $10 billion line of credit for the Postal Service, but it had to be distributed by the Treasury Department, and that Steve 
Mnuchin said that he was going to hold up the loan, I'm quoting here, in exchange for sweeping operational changes at the U.S. Postal Service, end quote, that Steve Mnuchin's blackmail threat, we won't give you the money unless you do these things, is what caused David Williams to resign from the Postal Board of Governors in protest, specifically about Mnuchin. And then, you know, Mnuchin was the guy who brought DeJoy into this thing because he was seeking talks over the line of credit, quote, provisions that would allow the Trump administration to approve senior personnel decisions at the post office, end quote. And then, quote, Secretary Treasury Steve Mnuchin was reportedly involved in recruiting DeJoy, a GOP megadonor, for the job. And the Treasury Department still has not distributed that $10 billion. You are, as always, Tom, ahead of the game. This is exactly what you're going to hear tomorrow from David Williams. And again, he has not spoken about this anywhere publicly. So that's good. We're going to get that word out. One last thing, Catherine Clark from Massachusetts, the Assistant Democratic Caucus Chair in Congress, and I led a letter with 90 members of Congress asking for DeJoy's removal. So we uh, just put that out today. In fact, I don't even know if the press release is finally out. But, you know, he's been open to every manipulation that the White House has wanted. And that's not what you need in a postmaster general. In fact, the fact that he's got investments in competing interests alone is a reason he shouldn't be the postmaster general. By the way, just FYI, Congressman, I've instituted a new policy on this program. As happens every four years, we get people calling in. Some of them are paid by the RNC. Others are just enthusiastic volunteers to say everything from, you know, oh, you know, Joe Biden sucks to you know, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, and I'm a wonderful guy, and, and, uh, or I'm black, or I'm gay, or whatever. But I have some concerns about Joe Biden. Right. And I'm just cutting those people off. So if you hear a caller in the middle of a okay. sentence just vanish, that's probably what happened. I'm just telling you right up front. Okay, gotcha. Lamont, Indianapolis, you are on the air with Congressman Pokin. Uh, yes, after seeing what they've been trying to do with the post office, and after the Senate Intel report, you guys got to charge these guys when Biden and them get in there. You can't let them get away with this. This is just ridiculous. I mean, I understand, you know, you try to say don't go after the other previous administration, but you guys got to have to do something about this. I mean, something. Congressman? Lamont, I am with you 100 percent. I'm not sure if our leadership will ultimately be there, and that's what we're going to have to work on when Joe Biden wins, when hopefully we have a Democratic Senate and House. You can't, for the sake of our country, allow that behavior, those actions to have happened. If illegal, we have to do something about them, or else we're saying the way to commit crimes to get away with it is to get elected president. And if you're rich enough, you might just be able to do that, and then you'll never be tried. That's not what this country is about. We have to do the right thing. And I completely agree with you, Lamont. And I think, you know, we may have a case to make to leadership post-November 3rd. Congressman, just 40 seconds. I think one of the things people are afraid of historically is what happened in Brazil with Lula, who was incredibly popular, got busted for basically technical violations and thrown in prison by the new administration. Right. And actually, I spoke out on behalf of Lula um, when that happened because it was a farce uh, how they went after him. In this case, though, if you actually have real criminal offenses, I don't see how you do nothing. I really think that that is not in the best interest of the American people. It sends every wrong message. It allows every wannabe demagogue and despot to do what Donald Trump has done. And I think we need to speak out. Yeah, I completely agree. I just wanted to (laughs) put that out. Great. Give you an opportunity to knock down that particular straw man. Morris in Long Beach, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Morris, you're on the air with Congressman Uh, Pocan. Good morning, Mr. Congressman. And Tom, I'm going to need you to answer this one, too. The Republicans, when they got in there, they did them tax cuts faster than you can sneeze. Now, when the Democratic Party gets in there, we don't have no time for no purity tests. Now, when the Democratic Party gets in there, what are going to be the first piece of le- uh, legislation, Congressman Pocan? Yeah, Morris, I honestly can't tell you. We've uh, indicated a few things we would do in, I think, the first 100 days. What that first piece is will depend on what Joe Biden wants to do, what potentially Chuck Schumer wants to do, and Nancy Pelosi. So there's no single, this is the first thing. However, don't forget it, this year, H.R. 1 was a bill that was the most comprehensive campaign finance, ethics, and elections reform bill ever introduced in Congress and passed through the House of Representatives. So I think, you know, that certainly is one of the candidates, but I don't think we can tell you until after November 3rd when um, we have hopefully uh, Chuck Schumer in charge of the Senate and we have President Biden in charge of the White House. 
Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. You know, when Joe Biden went, uh, I don't want to see a mass exit of some progressive and congressman and congresswoman taking cabinet position and becoming ambassador overseas. We want to maintain a progressive caucus, a strong progressive caucus, and add to it. My question to you, is the bounty gate pretty much over, you know, the Russia bounty gate? And is Congress have any bills or any sanctions against Russia? So there's a lot there, Omar. Let me first say, I do address the first part. You know, we're going to have more progressives than ever. We've had some really interesting elections this year, and I think we're going to have a more robust progressive presence. And I wouldn't feel bad if one or two people decide to go join the cabinet, because that's good to have them at the table there as well. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. As far as legislation around Russia, I mean, there's a number of pieces we had around both the elections and other things that we've passed through the House but have died in the Senate. Again, nothing is going to pass until we have a Senate and a president who's going to sign it. So having legislation is one thing. Having the ability to pass it is a very different thing. Devin, in Warren, Pennsylvania, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I live in rural Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, I see plenty of Trump signs around here, and it disheartens me a whole heck of a lot. And I've reached out to my local Democratic office, and I have seen very few Biden signs around the area. And I was wondering how I would be able to show my support in a rural setting such as this. Yeah, Devin, it's interesting you're asking that question because for 32 years, I've been the owner of a specialty printing business, a union shop that does this. And sometimes it drives me crazy because Republicans are really good about doing things like barn signs and yard signs in rural areas. And Democrats often say, well, let's save our money for media when I wish it would go towards grassroots organizing often. But you can get things off of the Biden website. They have things there. But also, I think sometimes the grassroots take a, a old bedsheet and spray paint on it and put it out there. And that shows that's not the campaign that put that out, that you put that out because you cared enough to waste a bedsheet to put your message out there. You can still do it in those kind of ways as well. And here in rural Wisconsin, we have a group in southwestern Wisconsin that does just that. They make these signs with stencils. They put them up all over, and uh, they kind of take on what sometimes the Democratic Party doesn't do in a more organized fashion. So take on your own initiative, if nothing else. But I agree with you. I think, you know, that kind of grassroots support is important component of a campaign. Uh, I want that grassroots organizing person to person, but sometimes you need the visibility as well. So typically, if somebody wants to get lawn signs, who should they call? The Biden campaign itself has on their website like a, a store and they have, you know, everything from T-shirts, et cetera. But they have yard signs. They should just go to the Biden website. But honestly, Tom, I think, you know, also they can make some on their own. I mean, we in Wisconsin, I know we're about to get a bunch of signs coming up with Biden Harris. For my campaign, we just printed Biden Harris and my name together on one bumper sticker with a little shape of Wisconsin in the middle. I think there'll be a lot of that coming cool. out, just the fact that it's convention week. We're just a little behind, probably. It'll be out in a week or two. And Harris was just put on the ticket last week, so, you know. Exactly. Like, that night, we went to print on bumper stickers, literally, because we wanted to get these out right away for people in Wisconsin. But, you know, as a printer, yeah. I think that way, most campaign operatives don't. Judy in Denver, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Congressman Pocan, DeJoy is breaking the law. He's committing a felony by slowing down the mail. Why is no one, not a single person, calling for the arrest and charging of DeJoy for his criminal activities running the post office? Thank you. Judy, first of all, it has been. I believe it's Ted Lieu and Hakeem Jeffries have put that out there, that he thinks I think this is a, a violation of the law, uh, what has happened. But just remember, like we've said many times in the show, the legal process is slow and it's not the quickest way to resolve this. I do think it's important that we make sure that no one in the future can do this, so the legal process should go completely forward on this question. But right now, we need to fund the post office. We need to try to get rid of DeJoy. We need to stop Donald Trump from doing the chaos that he's doing. And the best way, and I said this last week, and I'll tell you, I've said it now, Tom, since I said it on your show uh, probably 20 times on different Zoom calls uh, with the convention this week, the best way, we want to defeat Donald Trump twice. Uh, the first time what you do is you request an absentee ballot right now. 
you get that ballot and fill it out right away because the candidates aren't going to change. So just fill it out right away, drop it in the mail. You've got over a month for it to get there. If you don't trust the Postal Service because of what Donald Trump's done, then drop it off at your city, village, or town hall, and you know it's going to be counted. Or many communities, including in Wisconsin, and this was from one of your callers last week, about drop boxes. We're going to have those in a lot more places, and that's going to be around the country. Put it in there. That's just like going to vote on the polls on Election Day. We can defeat Donald Trump twice, once on the chaos he's trying to do to stop people from voting, and a second time on November. November 3rd wouldn't count the ballot. Sandra in Omaha, Nebraska, you are on the air with Congress and Pokin. Yesterday, Tom was talking about how Texas was messing with the reporting of the COVID numbers. Well, they're doing it in Iowa and Nebraska. It made front page news yesterday and today. Uh, Iowa, oh, suddenly we've discovered that the numbers aren't being reported accurately. Geez, we were so sorry. And today, Omaha is closing down testing sites and oh well golly we're just going to have to figure out how to add more testing sites can congress when a new congress sits in january can they reverse that and get it back to the cdc where it belongs absolutely sandra you know this is one of those things that it's typical donald trump kindergarten logic you know the more people you test of course the more cases you're going to have if we didn't test people you'd have no cases it's idiocy but it's what donald trump's been putting out it's his talking points so he's been trying to you know when he quit getting the information going to the cdc instead hhs he has that control over that right and he can try to have those numbers look different so it doesn't look as bad and he's got states like you mentioned also doing things like that but we absolutely Absolutely can. We luckily we still have ways to get the numbers, and I think largely we're able to get the reported numbers. But you bring up a great point, and absolutely we can return competence to the White House. And a real quick aside, your congressional district where Kara Eastman is running is one of the most important in the country. She's a great progressive, and I hope everyone in Omaha is being active on that. It's really important. The thing that I was ranting about yesterday is that Trump didn't just take the statistic reporting, you know, where hospitals report away from the CDC, which has been the case for 40 years, that the CDC reports this data out on a daily basis and hospitals use it for planning and everything else. He didn't just take it away from them and make it vanish. He handed it, he privatized it. He handed it to a, to a billion dollar company majority owned by a guy who's a major Republican donor, and they have the, the official stories, they've totally screwed it up. I think the reality is they've done just what Donald Trump wanted. Those statistics and that right. information are, yeah. in some cases, completely missing, in other cases, garbled, in other cases, late. This is a crime against democracy, if nothing else, this privatization. This has been Donald Trump from the beginning. He's mishandled this completely in every possible way, and now he's trying to kind of put it under a rug before November 3rd. And fortunately, you know, we record stats in ways that we can still keep track of these numbers, no matter how much Donald Trump tries to confuse it. We'll defeat him on that again before we defeat him on November 3rd. I really feel that we've got some strong momentum. People understand he has not tried to protect the American people from COVID. Tens of thousands more people than would have needed to have died because of Donald Trump's actions. And whether it be on reporting the statistics or not wearing a mask or not getting PPE and testing supplies out there, Donald Trump has killed, is really responsible for killing many Americans through his negligence and mishandling. So I just think we got to be that blunt. That is the reality. People understand it on the ground. I don't think those of us in public eye should be shy in saying the same thing. Amen. Stephanie in Hopkins Park, Illinois, you are on the air with Congressman Park. I went to the dollar store, and I live in a rural area. Where our town is 700 people. So the dollar store, a lot of areas, is basically the only store a lot of spaces have. But one thing, the mask mandate, the store says they can't enforce it. They can't stop serving you. They can't stop you from coming in, and they have to serve you. But if the state finds out that people are in your store without masks, you get a fine. How can they fine people for something that, that the store owners can't enforce? And they're going to have any kind of federal mandate on this COVID thing because the same lady in the store can't send her kids to school because their particular district decided that she's not an essential worker because she's not working in the health field. So her kid can't go back to school. Is that in the workings to get a federal mandate if we take back the House and Senate to make everybody obey the laws and give the store some meat in an effort for them to enforce it? I don't think you're going to get a national mandate as long as Donald Trump is president. So we would have to see what the science says come mid-January when he would be leaving office. 
try to get a national mandate. But specifically to the other, it's going to depend on how your state mandate or your local mandate is written. But I think that small business owner is just deciding not to enforce it. And I've heard the story in Wisconsin as well, where we have a statewide mandate and that there's a business where a friend of mine was working, they put something on the door saying, you know, you have to wear a mask and the employer made them take that down because they're trying to not upset the MAGA hat folks. That's not right because that's not what the law says. So my guess is that is an individual owner of that dollar store that's making that determination. You know, you might want to just call them and say, you know, I used to shop there, but I know a lot of people who don't want to get sick and aren't going to be shopping there unless you follow the state law. I have a friend who works in an office building here in Oregon who has repeatedly complained to the building ownership that particularly some of the maggot hat people are refusing to wear masks in the office building in the public areas. And the building was just basically kind of shrugging their shoulders. Two days ago, our governor said, it is now state law, you must wear a mask even in private offices and certainly in public hallways, it's now state law. And suddenly, the next day, everybody in the office is wearing masks. The force of law is a real thing, isn't it? Ruth in West LA, listening on KPFK, you're on the air with Congressman Pokian. Just as a preface quickly, I'm not always so impressed with Nancy Pelosi her strategy, for instance, recently on this bill to get the stimulus package out again, I kind of think she could have just let Mitch McConnell's thing go through, and then she and Schumer could have made a lot of hay about how ridiculous it was, and the governors didn't have the money to pay up, and really gotten some political capital out of that, showing how bad the Republicans are. But anyway, my real question is, on to join. Does the Senate have anything to do with this in terms of removal or censure or whatever or forcing this through because we know where that goes? And I know there is a Department Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, and I just want to know, are they able to overrule whatever gets done in the House? Yeah, no, it's a postal board of governors, so appointed by Donald Trump, but the postal board of governors is the same group that said they need $25 billion to keep the post office afloat this year, something Donald Trump doesn't want to do. So there is some independence to that body to fire him. But as Tom said at the beginning of the program, I think what we're going to learn starting tomorrow and forward is that maybe Secretary Mnuchin had an awful lot to do with what's going on at the post office, even a little earlier than some of this was found out. And there the Senate might have some say. And one thing I just want to say about Nancy Pelosi, I think she is a very savvy, experienced legislator, what you just said about having let Mitch McConnell pass the bill. Here's the problem. Mitch McConnell can't pass his own bill. The House passed a bill in May, but he can't even get his members to support that stupid bill he introduced that had funding for F-35s and had doubled the tax exemption for two martini lunches and everything else. He probably has 25 members, is what we're hearing, that won't vote for any COVID package. So Mitch McConnell's part of his problem is just he's not a good leader and can't get his members to even follow through with the idea that they put forward on behalf of Senate Republicans. So that strategy wouldn't necessarily work, Ruth. Betty in Vancouver, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Just a quick minute to go here, Betty. Are all the reps being called back? And if so, where we can see how they voted, we have a non-rep in Vancouver, and I just want to make sure that she goes back and votes, and I want to see how she votes. Yeah, so it'll be the entire House of Representatives. Now, we do have proxy voting, so I think because it is a single vote, some folks on the West Coast and other places may not come for various reasons, plus it was fairly short notice, but you'll vote proxy. So they still have the responsibility to vote on the legislation and make their voices known. So every member of Congress across the country, you'll have an idea how they voted on the bill on the post office. So even if you don't physically show up, you can still participate and vote remotely? Under our rules because of COVID, because some members can't for health reasons, I actually shouldn't for health reasons. There's some members who just be really hard to get out there with the short amount of time that we have. Yeah, please be very, very careful. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, 
all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Peter in Chicago, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. What is your number for the loss that the post office can keep burning money in this country. It's unbelievable that this thing runs at a negative every year and they require more and more cash. And secondly, when and are you encouraging Joe Biden to get out of the basement and start actually campaigning so voters can see who's running for president? Thank you. Yeah, Peter, thanks for your question. Let me take the second one first. Yeah, let me take the second one first. You know, I'm glad Joe Biden didn't come to Wisconsin to get a bunch of people to get together and infect each other with COVID-19. We didn't need to be an incubator like a lot of the southern states run by Republican governors. Unfortunately, Donald Trump, Mike Pence and Eric Trump all came to Wisconsin, got lots of people together who didn't wear masks, who didn't socially distance. And to me, that's either stupid or selfish or both. So uh, I'm glad Joe Biden is running a responsible campaign. To your first question, the main reason the post office has any issues. And again, it's not supposed to run like a business and have a profit, nor does the Department of Defense. Let's just remember that first off. But the main reason it has a problem is because under the George W. Bush administration, they made a requirement that the Postal Service has to prepay employee benefits 75 years into the future. No other agency, no other business does this. This was as an effort to try to start to privatize and try to hurt the Postal Service. And they're surviving with that albatross behind them. Right now, there is a deficit in some of the mail that's going out. We need to keep it going because seniors and veterans count on medication from the Postal Service. Businesses count on it for packages so they can keep open and keep people hired. So I think there's another channel on your TV other than Fox. I would recommend you try it sometime. Marianne in Eureka, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. 
My question is about poll numbers. I'm an old-timer. I've been following politics since Truman and Dewey in 48. And how does the medium get these numbers so quickly? Nobody's ever asked me anything. And I've checked with my family and siblings. Nobody says anybody has any ever asked them their opinion. So where do these poll numbers come and how do they come up so fast? And thanks. Yeah, Marianne, you bring up a great point. Often the polls aren't giant samples of people. So it's probably no surprise that you haven't gotten that call. Sometimes it's media itself that does the poll, so they have it instantaneously. And often when someone does a poll and they want to show the results, they go to the media right away to expose it. And that's why they get the results so quickly. Uh, if you get bad results, I'll bet you they pretend as if the poll never happened. But you, know, you bring up some valid points about, you know, the validity of polling. I just tell everyone we've got to make this a sprint until November 3rd. Uh, we all have to vote early, get all of our friends to vote early. Let's not let Donald Trump try to steal this election. And then let's have a huge celebration the night of November 3rd. Reverend J.H. in New Haven, Connecticut. You're on the Earth Congress in Pocan. Would you lead the charge to have a House Select Committee or a House Committee that will ensure the transparency of the November 2020 election, i.e., and I worked on Capitol Hill as a Senate intern and a House intern when I was a kid, i.e., one, making sure that we know exactly how many people are registered in each state by the Secretary of State, how many mailing ballots have gone out, so when they come in, we can be transparent to the American public and they can see that, listen, it's been fair. If Trump wins, God bless him. Biden wins, God bless him. But it must be fair and impartial. We've got to have the Congress, the House, do the job of showing the American public that it was fair. What do you say about that, Congressman? Yeah, Reverend G.H., I mean, I, I think there are standing committees already that are doing some of that because we want to make sure we've got the best elections possible with Donald Trump as president. But also there are outside entities doing that. But to form a congressional select committee, honestly, they don't move very fast, as you know, from your internships previously in the House and the Senate. And I just don't think it would accomplish anything outside of what's already currently happening. But rest assured, it is happening by groups, you know, in the private sector, uh, profit entities, et cetera, as well as some of the standing congressional committees. Gary in Pensacola, Florida, you got a quick question? Can we pass a bill so the government can negotiate drug prices? The Medicare bill, when passed in the 60s, had a Republican writer that states that the government cannot negotiate drug prices, and the Medicaid bill has the GOP writer saying that we must pay the prevailing rate, which means that we gave the drug company a monopoly. Why can't we now have a law that says the government negotiates prices? Got it. Thank you. Gary, we can. Absolutely. And it's something I, I hope that we'll do when we have a President Biden and Democratic Senate in the House. We passed a bill in the House this year to lower drug prices. We pay way too much for drugs in this country compared to other countries. And I hope that that will be one of those early priorities we get done in a Biden administration. Congressman, what do you see coming up? Just our postal legislation this week, next week, the Republican convention to get ready for the circus. There you go. The hate fest begins next week. It's going to be bizarre. Thank you, Congressman. My pleasure. Always great having you. Congressman Mark Pocan, pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Nicholas in San Cristobal, Mexico. Hey, Nicholas, what's on your mind? How people feel about the election upcoming, et cetera, et cetera. I can give you a clear idea, and it's kind of scary, but this is what I'm having to deal with personally. I normally have to go back to Kentucky in September. I was thinking because of COVID, I really did not want to get on three different planes each direction to get to Lexington, Kentucky, and back again. Then I got to thinking, what's going to happen post the election? I hate to say it, but I have very serious feelings about what is going to happen, regardless of which side wins. I think it's going to be Biden. I think Trump's people will go absolutely ballistic. They will lose it entirely. I'm very concerned about what they will be doing in the streets to the rest of us. I also think that if Trump wins, that the uh, left, if you will, will go equally crazy because I think basically everybody understands the country can't withstand another four years of this slow coup, you might call it. So I have had to make a decision to go back to Kentucky in September, the middle of September, in order to not be in the United States during November especially following the election, because I fear for my safety at that point, which I know sounds very dire, but 
it's what I'm having to deal with, and uh, I hate it all. However, I think yeah. it's uh, going to be extremely ugly. The, That's got to be a tough comment. one. I would, I would be very concerned about getting on an airplane right now. Um, I know. Delta and, well, then you, then and United, you, you know, Delta's keeping middle seats open. And, and I, I don't know if this, know. I'm pretty sure this estimate didn't come from the airlines, but there was a, um, an article about this on one of the science sites a couple of weeks ago that suggested that they thought about 44 out of 1,000 people who get on a Delta plane will get COVID and about 70 or 75 out of 1,000 people who get on a United plane would get COVID. Yeah. Those brands being because Delta is keeping the middle seats open and United yeah. is not or was I'm at very, the time. I don't, you know, I don't very, know where they're at aware. now. And, and I think you could generalize this to all the airlines. But anything over I'm, one I'm, is enough to keep me off the plane. Yeah. I'm so aware of this. It's what's affecting all my decisions, of course. And it's my life we're talking about here. However, it gives you a clear indication of how concerned I am about November that I'm willing to yeah. risk COVID, but not the post-election stuff that yeah. I think is going to be yeah. going on. That's that is, it is and troubling. Real, quick, real quickly, if I mm -hmm. could say about the, uh, the possibility of bringing back or with tax incentives, et cetera, automotive manufacturing in the United States, all I can say to that is I live in Mexico. I watch the economy here carefully. The Mexican government has been offering such enormous incentives to foreign manufacturers that Mercedes has enormous plants here, BMW, Audi, you name it, Nissan, Volkswagen. They're all here. They're all shipping to the United States. And it's not just because of much cheaper labor, but it is, of course, in part that. But it is also because of the government incentives they're giving to these manufacturers. They are flocking to Mexico, I think, to a far faster and greater degree than the United States will be able to catch up with. That's my, That's what I would have had to yeah. say about that. Yeah. You were the one talking. Okay. Yeah, always great to hear from you. And thanks for uh, hanging out in our chat room and helping moderate our YouTube chat room, too. Not at all. Wish that. me luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas, thank you. It's great to hear from you. Norman in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Norman, you got, a la you got the last minute. What's up? Not just former students, but many of us who are long-term unemployed are also excluded from unemployment insurance. Right. And uh, this is right. kind of, you know, supposed to be a safety net, and it's not funded by payroll tax, which provides that justification for other unemployment programs. And I'm concerned there's going to be a rash, the October surprise is going to be a rash of evictions that might really affect the vote for It's already November. started, Norman. It's already started. There was a piece in, in, I believe it was Financial Times this morning, might have been the New York Times, about how the... Uh, the eviction started on August 1st because that was in most states. Here in Oregon, we've got the governor extended it until I think the end of October. Uh, or that would be when it gets bad. But, but in most states, that's what's going on. Norman, thank you for the call. I, we really need to deal with this stuff. And this is a real crisis. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. If we're going to hang on to it, we've got to participate in it. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. And please, this is a real difficult time for all of us. You've been listening us, so to be Tom good to Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.